Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth, human performance, and culture change. This is your host, Philip Grison. Thank you for joining me on this path. I hope you enlighten others along the way. Hello, you wonderful people. Hope you're all doing great out there, influencing others, and manifesting change. I was asked to do a webinar on workplace fatigue recently, and of course that got me thinking about the subject, so I'm going to share some thoughts here on what I talked about. I was given the title of Wasted at Work to speak on. How fitting. My favorite analogy for fatigue is like we are hiring a bunch of drunk people, and we are. But they weren't drunk on their own accord. The system made them drunk. Fatigue has a very similar effect on your brain like drinking alcohol. According to WorkSafe BC, 21 hours without sleep has the same effect on your brain as a 0.08 blood alcohol level, which happens to also be the blood alcohol limit for driving in Georgia. The less sleep we get, the drunker we are. Fatigue has all sorts of side effects that affect safety performance, like concentration, decision-making, problem-solving, and attention level. The difference between fatigue and alcohol is that you can more easily see the effects of alcohol in human behavior. They're stumbling around and slurring their words. The visual is stronger. With fatigue, that drunkenness is happening more in their brain. You don't get the same level of visual awareness with fatigue drunkenness. There are signs like slow reaction time, keeping their eyes open, and irritability, but they aren't as prominent as they are when someone is drunk on alcohol. If our workers were drunk on alcohol, we would probably fire them, or at least send them home and ask them to get some help. But with fatigue, we don't just tolerate it. Our workplace systems often create it. It's the system, right? In human performance, we should be overly focused on the system we place the worker within. And how is that system affecting fatigue? What can we do to lessen fatigue and defend against it? Change the system where you can. Implement defenses where you can't. All of that HP thinking should be focused on worker fatigue. Let's take a look at some GDOT rules. As a start, you aren't supposed to drive more than 14 hours, but there's an exception. You can drive 16 hours once a week with some safeguards in place. Some people laser focus on that 16-hour rule like it is the rule, which leaves eight hours for dinner, family time, and sleep schedule. I've also seen a lot of companies look the other way on commute time. How much sleep are those drivers really getting? The GDOT rules aren't terrible, but they are also far from perfect. And we should remember that these GDOT rules came from mass carnage and lawsuits. They were a defense against human error, not a perfect change of the system. They were a defense against letting drivers run wild and drive as much as they want to. The other thing is that they are focused on driving. There's a lot of construction work that ignores the crap out of limits on worker hours. You know, one of my safety director friends was expressing her frustration about worker fatigue. She said some of her companies have put in a policy that they won't work people beyond 16 hours. But is that really even a fatigue management plan? 
I was reading a study that Caterpillar did on micro-sleep events where a worker falls asleep at the wheel for a brief moment. They found that micro-sleep events last 2 to 20 seconds. In about 9 seconds at 31 miles per hour, a worker could drive the distance of about 9 haul trucks. How much could go wrong in those 9 seconds? How much damage or death could occur? We all know about distracted driving. But are we causing distracted driving with worker fatigue? So eventually I'll get into some air defense strategies, but I want to share some construction culture challenges we have to this problem. The first is the badge of honor. You know, workers can wear fatigue like a badge of honor. People can show pride in how hard they work and how many hours they've been awake on a job. At the same time, people are notoriously bad at perceiving risk. Have you ever met those people that are scared to fly in the airplane and they'd rather drive instead? Humans aren't so good at perceiving risk, and they also aren't so good at assessing the effect fatigue has on their brain. A common statement I hear from management is, the worker wants the hours. A great question to ponder is, the worker gets the hours. But what does the employer get in return? When the worker says they want the hours, do they really want the hours or do they really want increased pay? So let's explore all of those things. If you ever work night shift, then you've probably witnessed this. People aren't doing shit on night shift. A friend of mine was telling me how they were working for a power company that demanded a night shift in the schedule. They were installing this large vault, and the workers would bring pillows to work so they could sleep in the vault. How much production are we getting done at night? Are we going out to the job to observe the work, the production level, and doing a cost analysis? Remember the iceberg of ignorance. Management tends to know the least of what actually goes on out in the field. Are we actually visiting the job to see how much production is going on? Another friend was telling me about how electricians on a project would be sleeping on cable trays at night. You could walk around and find 20 electricians sleeping on cable trays. Remember the blue line. Work is imagined versus work in reality. Management means well, but sometimes they are disconnected from that reality. Are the managers that demand overtime and night shift going out to the job at night to observe the work? Do they really know what's going on out there? And do they really know what they are getting for the cost? National Safety Council has some stats that state over 43% of workers are sleep deprived. Fatigued worker productivity cost employers 1200 to 3100 per employee annually and fatigue costs employers 136 billion a year in health related lost productivity so again the worker supposedly wants the hours but what does the employer get okay you want your hours so here's a loaded weapon go be safe that's really what we are saying here When we overwork people, we are giving them some really dangerous equipment to be safe with, 
excavators and concrete trucks. It really is like giving them a loaded weapon while they are fatigue drunk. Another thing to consider is who really wants the hours and why do they want them? I think we all know how much inflation we have experienced in this country over the past few years. Maybe they don't really want the hours. Maybe they just want to afford the grocery bill. And does everyone want the hours? Or is it just a select few? In our culture assessment work, we do see worker comments stating that they like the overtime hours. But the overwhelming majority want work-life balance and a pay raise. So what does management hear? A few select comments from workers stating they want the hours and then apply that thinking to everyone so they can get the production? And are they really getting the production? One of our clients was looking at employee retention a few years ago, and they implemented an across-the-board 7% pay increase. A few months later, they implemented another 3% pay increase. And what they found was greater production in less hours, worker retention, and increased morale. More pay, less hours, greater production, less fatigue-related errors, better morale, increased job retention. When I was researching this topic, I found a lot of information that focused on the worker. And that's what the world does, right? Things like teaching employees how to get a good night's sleep, teaching them the importance of sleep, how diet affects their sleep. While it's okay to teach these things to workers, our greatest focus should always be on the system we place the worker within. At the same time, our world tends to overfocus on the worker. So let's dispel some fatigue myths you may encounter in worker-focused world. Fatigue is not something you can just muscle through. You can't just slap yourself in the face and get over it. Fatigue management is not a personal responsibility. It's a management system responsibility. Yes, it's good to make workers aware, but the overwhelming issue is the system we place those workers in. Recovery time is not just sleeping time. People have personal responsibilities. When they have X hours off, they don't just go straight to bed. They pay bills, deal with family stuff, and have to unwind before bed. And after all that other personal responsibility stuff, then they go to sleep. You know, there have been many long days I've worked teaching some class, getting to the airport in time to jump on a plane, getting back to my car, driving home, and once finally there, once I got in the door, I was wired. Wired from the rush, rush, rush of all that crap just to get the job done and back home. And I had to unwind to go to bed because I was war slap out. People can't just go straight to bed. Recovery time needs to be considered more than just the hours you're going to be in the bed. If we are going to focus on people, we should always focus on leadership. Not just creating the self-awareness in upper management, but also the supervisors that lead our people. We need to teach supervisors how to recognize signs of fatigue and what to do about it when they see it. We need to help our supervisors with effective problem solving. 
Is the worker too fatigued to work? Should we send them home? Should someone else drive them home because they might kill someone on the way home? And will the company pay them for going home? Will the company pay the worker to do lighter duty work because they're so fatigued? We need to make sure the supervisors are clear on all this. What will management support and what does management truly want them to do? This is also a system. How we train supervisors and how we visibly support them in their decision-making regarding fatigue, those things are systems too. You know, you just can't regulate the sun. The sun regulates our circadian rhythms of when our body wants to be awake and when it wants to be asleep. No matter how aggressive our schedule is, we need to consider the circadian rhythm when scheduling high-risk activities. On average, people are most alert from 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., assuming we aren't fatiguing the crap out of them. They are least alert from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. and midnight to 5 a.m., Are we talking about this when we schedule work? Are we talking about this when we schedule high-risk work? The last thing we should ever do is jump a tower crane at 2 p.m. or perform energized work at 3 a.m. If we can't change the system, do we at least consider the hour of the day and the circadian rhythm when scheduling high-risk work? If we have to work nights... Don't make it permanent. Rotate people out so they aren't completely burnout, but give them time to recover. So when I say don't make night shift permanent, that's assuming it's a short time period where people work nights. But there's also overwhelming evidence that rotating back and forth between days and nights is even worse than a permanent night shift schedule. So we want to start with, can we just work nights for a short period of time? But if we have to work nights all the time, definitely don't rotate people back and forth. Try as much as feasible not to go over a 12-hour shift. Of course, 8 to 10 is better, but that's not always realistic in construction world. But try as much as feasible not to go over 12 hours. And try to give people time off for recovery. Maybe we do four 12s and then three days off to recover. When we schedule work, consider the commute time. Not just how many hours their commute is, but where they live in relation to the job. I've seen so many people complain that they live in West Georgia and there's a project in West Georgia, but they're forced to go to a project up in North Georgia. Meanwhile, the other guy lives in Alpharetta and is forced to go out to Carrollton. Where are these workers living? Could we learn that? And could we lessen fatigue-related errors based on who we send where? Another defense is wearables. Caterpillar has some really awesome in-vehicle technology called the Detect Driver Safety System. Through video monitoring, the system detects eye movements and behaviors that indicate fatigue. It warns the driver through audibles like vibrations and alarms to wake them back up. 
but it also notifies management that they have a fatigued worker out on the job. The last thing I want to share with you is the emotional journey of one of our clients implementing a fatigue management plan. At first, they were afraid of the change, and that's normal. You know, change is interpreted as pain in the brain, and managing the emotional element of change is the biggest challenge when we're trying to change our culture. So we should always consider that when we're trying to influence management. They will interpret change as pain, and dealing with that emotional element is the hardest part of changing culture. So this group, they knew fatigue was an issue, but they were afraid making changes would result in less production and profit. Fingers crossed and lips bitten, they made some changes to try it out. They cut back on weekend work, shortened hours where possible, redistributed duties, and increased automation. And to their surprise, they found they increased profit and production. The other benefits were less hours and increased worker morale. People got that work-life balance that they actually wanted. There's always that fear, that emotional element of change that we have to manage. But the rare few that try these changes tend to see financial and cultural benefits. People do have to see it to believe it. It might start with getting out in the field to see what's really going on out there. Are we really getting the same level of production? But if we actually do the work and try out these concepts, we might find we actually make more money and people are happier. If we don't do anything about fatigue, we might as well ditch our alcohol and drug policies too. After all, without a fatigue management plan, we're just employing a bunch of drunk people. So hope you all have a restful, sober week. Hey there, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a review. If you want to connect further, reach out at leaderthink.com.